Welcome hey, back. Welcome. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And guys, girls, everybody, thank you so much for all the support after our first episode. Yes, we had a beautiful time at the party, and so many people came out, and it was great to have both their families and friends there, and, and a lot of people we didn't know uh, who are, are fans of our show as well. So we appreciate all of you. Yeah, and for those of you listening online for the first time, we had a fantastic podcast release party along with uh, Jason and Dave over at Rusty Nickel Brewing Company. If you have not listened to that episode yet, go back, download, listen. Yes. Um, and thank you again to the people that came out. What uh, It's just kind of overwhelming to see such support, and we really, really had a fantastic time. Can't wait for the party at Russell's. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of... Russell's, we have a, an amazing, an amazing guest today. But before we get too far into that, we just wanted to remind you guys of a few ways you could help out. We're still just kind of getting this podcast going. And one of the uh, biggest things you could do to take a moment to uh, sort of support us is to subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on the iTunes podcast app or on your Android device. When you do that, take a minute to rate and review the show. Subscribing and writing just a real simple review, five stars, really helps us out. We rise up the charts, and it's one of the ways you can kind of give back to what we're doing here. So please, subscribe to the show, Guys Telling Stories. Rate us, leave a simple review, tell us why you like the Guys Telling Stories podcast, and as always, it really help us, helps us out, and we really appreciate the support. Yes, we do. You have, check us out on our website, too. It is guystellingstories.com, and if you can't figure out how to subscribe to us, uh, send us a message. We'll help you through that. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at Guys Telling Stories, and also follow us on Instagram at Guys Telling Stories. And we're also on Twitter at Guys Tell Stories. Yeah, and one more thing. Some people have been asking about the Guys Telling Stories merchandise. It is coming soon. We're going to do some pre-sale uh, orders for uh, T-shirts, stickers. Stay tuned. We'll post soon about how you can uh, rock your own Guys Telling Stories merch. I saw some shirts the other day at the party. Yeah, we got a few samples on the way, some guys' shirts, some girls' shirts. They look pretty good, so stay tuned. We'll, uh, we'll talk about how to get your own. So what's going on now? Well, you know, after our first episode, we kind of realized, well, let's try to find someone who we would really, really enjoy speaking with and might have some stories that would be um, almost legendary. Yeah. And we found somebody, Bill. We did. <laughs> and we're so <laughs> you know excited. Him. Even if you don't know him, you know him. We're so excited to for our next guest. In fact, uh, Russell J. Salvatore agreed to sit down and do an interview with us, and we're we're headed there basically right now to do the interview. Are, are you nervous, Bill? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, growing up, hearing about uh, Salvatore's, Russell's, and uh, it was a place that I always wanted to go do for a fancy dinner, maybe take a nice date. Yeah, I, I was there as a kid and, and walking around and looking at the old cars and looking at all the uh, the adult dolls. Is that they have statues. <laughs> statue. It's a beautiful Italian garden. I was there for Christmas. It was all it was decked out. Oh, it was it was to the nines. It was an amazing amazing place. And he has his new place, Russell's Steaks, Chops, and More, along with Salvatore's Grand Hotel. And to all the listeners out there, we're going to be doing a giveaway with with Russell, and you can find out how to enter and how to win 
by going to our social media, guystellingstories.com, Guys Telling Stories on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Guys Tell Stories at Twitter. So please, if you're listening to this, go check out that giveaway because it's going to be fantastic. The, Russell's been so generous to offer to kind of promote this episode and his, uh, his own restaurant and hotel, and it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, without further ado, let's uh, let's head to the restaurant. Bro. I hope he doesn't yell at me. <laughs> He's not going to yell at you. He's a great guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're here with another episode of Guys Telling Stories, and we're extremely excited for our guest today. He's known as one of the most successful restaurateurs in the history of Western New York. He is the owner of Salvatore's Grand Hotel, Russell's Steaks, Chops, and more. Russell J. Salvatore, thanks for doing the show. Thank you very much for being here. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys. I feel honored to be asked to be with you. Oh, thanks so much. You know, we always like to take our guests on a, on a history of going way back. But for you, I, uh, I checked your book out from the library. I got a chance to read through it. I was curious, where do you feel comfortable starting? Like, you know, what was Buffalo like, for example, when you were growing up? Um, I know you got your start in the restaurant business. Take us, take us anywhere you want to take us. Well, I'll take it back. It will take long. From in the beginning, I started with my dad when I was a young boy, and he owned a corner saloon, and he had me scrubbing floors and cleaning the spittoons. You guys probably <laughs> don't even know what a spittoon no, is. No. <laughs> and then at that time, everybody chewed tobacco, smoked tad and stogies, and I had to make sure that copper spittoon, they spit right across the floor like in a cow boy movies, you know, and and I had to uh, keep it clean, and then when I was 18 years old, I was fortunate enough, my father turned this corner saloon over to my brother and I, and uh, naturally, threw all the sp- we threw all the spittoons out, and we upgraded would, yeah. it, <laughs> you know, and we upgraded it, it was a uh, neighborhood restaurant that served pizza and pasta and everything like that, and I mean, it's like... Uh, you're going back when a uh, plate of spaghetti cost 35 cents for my guys. For, for a dinner. For a dinner, yes. You know, I, it's so funny because I just had an ad that someone sent me from, from uh, 50 years ago. And the Buffalo Overdose says, we just want to send you this ad. This was in the paper 50 years ago, Russ. It was an ad of me holding a tray and someone saying, Russ, what's that on that tray? And it was, well, this is our primary special, full course from soup to nuts, $2.50. Oh, wow. And, I was a, and that was 50 years ago. And I says, right now, what is it? It's like $50, for God's sake. It you is. Know? You know, you want to take a family out to the nice meal for a date mm-hmm. or something special. $2. Wow. Uh, that's but pretty then as I, uh, as I progressed, you know, I worked quite a, 17 years over at the Corner Saloon, and a hot dog stand happened to open up out on Transit Road next to the airport. And my dream was saying to get next to the airport where there's going to be a lot of hotels. It makes it a little bit easier than running a corner restaurant. And I bought this hot dog stand for around $40,000 and started remodeling that. And over a period of years, it turned out to be Salvatore's Italian Gardens. I bought, uh, I think, 1,300 square foot restaurant. It's 200,000 square feet now. That's probably one of the biggest ones in. Uh, oh, it's probably the biggest restaurant in New York State. Yeah, that's you what know? I was thinking. And then I thought I would step back. I uh, turned it over to my son, you know, and my son is running it. I stayed away for about a year, and I miss the business so much. I miss people. I love it. I love it. It's in my blood. And then I decided to open up. I had some land down the street, opened up Russell Steaks, Chops, and more. And here we are. As a matter of fact, uh, yesterday I celebrated seven-year anniversary here. How fast the time went by. Oh, congratulations. You know, and God's, I'm I'm in my 80s, and everybody thinks I'm crazy for working as hard as I do. But 
It's a type of business that gets your blood. I don't think there's anybody that loves the hospitality no. business more than I do. I, it has never been work for me. I can work from 7 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock, which I do. And uh, my doctor says, how do you stay so healthy? And I says, doctor, why are you going to tell me I'm nuts when I tell you why I'm so healthy? Well, I drink about four or five vodkas on the rocks at 9 o'clock. I have a steak dinner at 10 o'clock. I go upstairs, smoke three cigarettes before I go to bed, and I'm the healthiest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to give anybody that recipe, okay? No, no, no. That is your secret recipe. <laughs> the doctor goes, you're crazy. You're crazy. You should have been dead a long time ago, Russ. We are uh, broadcasting today from Russell Steaks, Chops, and More, and the new bar looks fabulous. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, you know, when I picked up the book, I thought it was there were some anecdotal stories, some fun ones. Like uh, you were a little bit of a musician go- growing up. Oh, um, uh, I I played guitar. Yes. Oh man, I never <laughs> I never took any music lessons. I give anybody credit that has that discipline. Well, you know, uh, the old time families and those when we were born, our parents made us either play a guitar. Uh, banjo, my brother played the banjo. I wanted to play the accordion, but I weighed only 130 pounds. It bent me over when I put it on my shoulder. <laughs> you know, so he says, going to play the guitar. And then we were so good at it. And we went on Uncle Bill's Amateur Hour, WGR, that's during the war, and had to play Easter Parade. Yeah. And I sang, in your Easter bonnet. Well, I don't think you even hear that during Easter time anymore. <laughs> Not anymore but it you know, and we won first place, a $25 defense bond, a pair of Liberty shoes. And I thought I was going to go on and be avail- uh, another Dick Contino. Get on TV. <laughs> Do, you Do you remember Dick yeah. Contino used yeah. to play the, the accordion? But uh, mostly all the kids in the neighborhood played an instrument. We, we came from a very, very successful Bailey and Delavan section which was primarily a lot of Polish, Italian, and Irish. But the street that I grew up, we were all successful young Italian uh, fellows. We went to school, school was different. We had to behave, had to go to school nice. I mean, nobody wore iron in their ears or jeans with holes in them at that time. And it's amazing on my street alone, I would say at least six or seven of us guys that all went to school together grew up to be very, very successful. My best friend, which he just passed away a few months ago, which was really a genius, Frank Simonelli. I can remember his father was just a little man laying sidewalk on his knees and Frank wanted to be the biggest contractor. And he grew up to be Simonelli Construction, the biggest contractor in the city of Buffalo. And I used to say, Frank, I'd want to be the biggest restaurateur. And it's amazing, I mean, I don't know how you we guys did it. Did it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. And then there was Sergio Fonazero. Oh, there's. I can go on and on and on. But all successful guys that grew up in the neighborhood, you know, and word wise guys or anything like that. Yeah. We just come from very very strict families. Yeah, it sounds like the family support was there. Did uh, were a lot of these lifelong friends were they schoolmates or? or more? Oh yeah, we all went to Kensington High School yeah. together. Yeah, Kensington High School was a school at that time. You had to go either with a suit jacket. Was it? A, it wasn't a private school, a public school, and it was a really great football team, so forth. And I mean, uh, the other part of me being so talented as a musician was when I went to school, but I did that just to get out of the fifth class. I played the tuba in the marching band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had to see a skinny little guy like me 
Look, this big, big tube around my shoulder just to be out on the football field with all the football players. <laughs> Everybody looked at me and they said, well, I see the tube, where's Ross? <laughs> it gives you something to do because some guys are, you know, they're talented athletes. They go play uh, basketball or football. But if you want to be out there too, you get to do the marching band. You had to be in the marching band, you know, <laughs> to be one of the big deals. Yeah, you get to probably meet some girls that way too. There's girls in the marching band. There's no girls on the football team. You oh, know? yeah. So uh, that's, always, that's always fun. So... Um, now, Bill was telling me when he was uh, doing a little research that you actually did serve in the Army. Um, is that a fine time for you, or was it... Uh, uh, well, it probably were the best two years of my life. Okay. I did get drafted back in 1954, and I was just married. And I, did, I didn't go overseas. I, all my regiment that went over the... Uh, Third Cavalry, they went all over to Austria. Great dirty duty we went during the war. And when I got picked out, I got picked out to go be in the AAA outfit in Norfolk, Virginia. And that was where Virginia Beach was and everything. And I says, I had two good years of duty there. And I brought my wife with me down there. It was like being on vacation. I mm -hmm. mean, I was so lucky. And I ended up playing baseball for the Army and I ended up a pretty, pretty good ball player. So I, I really had the world by the nose being in the service, and I mean, I shouldn't even say that I was a, an army man. Or, right, you know, right. But, but you were, and, and I like was you said, a, it was a, a... Yeah, but I was one of the fortunate ones, not like the poor guys that went to uh, overseas mm -hmm. in Vietnam or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, a lot of the family that we were talking with, you know, over dinner last night, for example, they have these memories of a time when the country was, you know, 100% behind the cause, buying uh, war bonds, you know, families oh, yes. going overseas. And lately, you know, the, a whole generation, maybe two, in fact, don't have memories of that at all. They, they read about it in the history books or they, they sit down and they hear about it with guys yeah. who went through it. Yeah, It's such a different world now. I mean, now we're... Terrorism or fighting that? Whoever thought we'd be fighting terrorism? I mean, the the army was bad enough, but uh, but it's, I'm glad to see it's all over with. And I do, as far as service people and that, I have a, a place in my heart for all those people. By me putting our, uh, I built a park out here in the, in uh, across the street from Russell's, and it's just it's five years to put it together. And I put, put some beautiful monuments out there of tribute to all the soldiers and the veterans. And it's called Russell's uh, Patriots and Heroes Park. Mm -hmm. That if anybody's listening, if you're ever in the Buffalo area, you have to stop to see it. It's absolutely one of the most it's beautiful, gorgeous. beautiful parks. I just finished the uh, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and the Purple Heart. And I mean, last week, uh, just a week ago, we had people come in from Arizona to give me a plaque. Just to compliment me, and he says it's the finest looking Purple Heart Memorial ever built in the United States. And we got a picture taken, and it's going to be going on a national magazine of the Purple Heart right here in western New York. I feel very honored about that. It's uh, like Russ just said, it is beautiful out front, right by Maine and, uh, excuse me, Transit and Worley or Transit and Genesee, whatever way you're coming from. Just go there and walk around for a little while. There's so much to see, and it looks like you're adding to it. Oh uh, yeah, uh, well, I, I finally finished. We got five memorials in wow. there. We have a tribute to the 9/11 memorial, also uh, 3407, the plane crash that was out here, mm -hmm. and the one that's responsible for that is my close friend Don Perino. Don and I have grown up together, and he's probably one of the most talented guys. 
when he's got nothing to do, he goes building memorials for me and then comes and tells me, give me your checkbook, I pay him, and, <laughs> and we go on to the next memorial. On to the next one. But it's, it's, it's something that's going to be there forever and ever, and uh, you can't take it out. It's in a, it's in a foundation, and, and uh, I'm very fortunate to say, and I hope it's many years down the line, I got permission from the state of New York to be buried in my park. And I got a mausoleum that's there, which it's very unusual for someone to get buried on his own private land. But they approved it for me. Well, you've done enough for for the troops and for just to recognize it. It's amazing that one person can go ahead and do all of that. Well, you know, if you want to get something built downtown on the waterfront, it takes oh, yeah. this group and this group and this approval. And, and it's nice to just have this because some of this stuff's important and it's timely and it needs to get done. <laughs> Well, it definitely made me feel good inside that I didn't have much problem outside of a few people that picketed it and said, uh, you know, if he gets buried on his land, they want to be buried on their front grass. Which, yeah. But if you put it in a foundation, that's never going to disappear. It'll be there forever. And, and once they see what we put in, it's not for me. It's for the public. It's, for, it's their park. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when... Uh, like I said, I just finished when spring comes. I've already planned to have, like on Thursdays, to bring young children on school buses to the park. I'm going to serve uh, hot dogs and hamburgers. And I got a fellow that was with the uh, Purple Heart that's going to be a guide and bring young people through that park and let them see the Purple Heart, the 9 11, and stuff. It's going to be very educational. And I mean, it's like, it's. There's not one weed in the grass. I think when summer comes, it's going to be really people taking advantage of it. You know? No, it's definitely something that I want to check out. Again, and it sounds like having somebody talk about it, like a guide, is going to be give me a little yeah. bit more background about it. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, he's going to he's going to well, the kids will come in and then they'll go from one memorial to another memorial. Yeah. Like I said, I got half a dozen memorials, and I had books made to give them. And let them know what the 3407 memorial was for because of right. the plane crash. They're so young, they're not too familiar with uh, the 9-11 tragedy that we've all experienced, you know. But then the Purple Heart goes back to all your veterans, all your soldiers. In order, the Purple Heart, you got the Purple Heart, either you got killed or you got Wounded, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I think they'd be very interested in learning about that. No, I think so too. You know, you've mentioned so many different people who have um, helped you to maybe get to where you are. Other successful businessmen and women. Um, we always like to sort of ask if there was uh, anyone specifically that encouraged you to take that that first step. You know, if you think back, maybe it was um, when you first got back from the service, or maybe it was working, you know, for dad. Was there anyone that said like? Russ, you can do this, but you got to work hard. Um, I would say no, because I had a love for the business all the time, and mm-hmm. I knew that if, like my dad told me one good thing, going being a little Italian man, he says, you want to be successful, you don't have to have an education, son. Remember one thing, that's all you have to do is, uh, 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 you have to be nice. If you're nice to people, it's not that important. The education doesn't mean to be good to people, have a a nice attitude towards them and that. And uh, I mean, I went on and on, and when I bought the hot dog stand and made it into a small Italian restaurant, I worked it myself. I would say the only thing that encouraged me is about before seven years ago when I left the other property, I cried a little bit. I missed the business so big 
so much. It bothered me so much. I missed it. I was out of it for a year. And my buddies, I was 75 years old, and they said, you're not that old, go back and do it again. And my buddies encouraged me to go back to build a steakhouse. And it's the best thing I can do. I've never been so happy yeah. as working in this small piece of property. Yeah, it sounds like when you make those lifelong friends, uh, even like Bill and I here, they'll they'll pick you up when you're feeling down, those those tough times. But also you get times like, like this where you're just hanging out, telling some stories, and those are the good times too. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, and we, we tell stories. You know, they meet me in here. We have a cocktail hour and, and buy them dinner. And it's just fun. Go to Bill's games. Yeah. One of the reasons Bill and I started doing this was we thought to ourselves, you know, each of us have different jobs. We make money other ways. But what if we just retired? What would we keep busy with? And find an ins- inspirational, uh, uh, interesting people to have some conversations with. I would do this for free. I would mm-hmm. do this, you know, for the next 30 years. It's, it's fun talking with oh, people. Oh, yeah. You must hear so many beautiful stories, for God's sakes. You know? yeah, everyone started somewhere. Yeah. They really, mm-hmm. and, and how they got to where they're at, you know, it's never an easy path. But then they're, you know, they're looking back going, I learned my lessons along the way. But yeah. it's, it's, it's. You know, it, uh, going to business by yourself, it's never easy. But, I mean, if you have a good outlook on it and to be successful, you have to do it yourself first. You got to be in there. Don't put a business there and try to hire a manager, especially in the hospitality business like this. I'm successful here because if I have to wash pots and pans, I wash it with the dishwasher. I mean, you're familiar with my life. If you come in here, you'll see me at my captain's desk seating people every single night, shaking hands with people. You know, and again, like I say, my dad said, you don't have to education. Be have to have education to be nice, easy. Get there and greet people. Let them know. And if somebody's not happy with their dinner, it doesn't cost much to say, fine, you know what, I take care of your check. Don't worry about it. And come back and see me again. We goofed. Don't say, fine, let me buy you a dessert. Don't, that's not going right. to help. They're going to remember they, that. Yeah. They, they know, uh, the, the, the business, hospitality business, a lot of it, everybody's got the same stakes. It's a service, the service and how good your people can be. Yeah. And if you work with them and they're on top of them, they'll be good. Yeah. What was one of your biggest challenges you had to overcome to become this successful? Oh, I think my biggest challenge was when I first left my place on Dullivan, I opened up out here on Transit Road. And now everybody knew me from Dullivan because we were pizza with uh, spaghetti pizza. And when I opened out here on Transit Road, I opened up an Italian restaurant. Well, it was the most stupidest thing in the world. No pizza, no spaghetti. I wanted to go a white tablecloth, and I did tableside cooking at the table. Well, let me tell you, I laid a big bomb. I died. Everybody come in and say, fine, aren't you related to Salvatore's on the old neighborhood? They said, yes, but where's your pizza? Where's your spaghetti? I had no, no pizza. they get up and they would walk out. So I was ready to go under, and I wasn't doing well. So what I did, it was just about the holidays. What I went and I did is I went and print about hundreds of gift certificates, and I was going down. It's really something. And I says, I got to get people in this place. So I bought a lot of wine by uh, big mega cash. And they came like in five gallon containers. Mm -hmm. That it took me like only, it took 
32 cents to do a decanter of wine. So I went out to every hotel, every rented car, every place you can think of, gave everybody and said, Merry Christmas, here's a gift certificate, compliments of Russ Salvatore, dinner for two, dinner for two, dinner for two. I gave everybody dinner for two. Now, knowing that they were going to come in, and it wasn't that they got the $100, $200 bottles of wine, the only wine I had was Rosé, Chablis, or Burgundy. So I was getting $7 for a craft of wine. It was costing me 60-some cents to put it out. There you go. <laughs> you know, and I says, my gosh, I says, now, I did have a $5 of a food cost in my dinner for two. They weren't big portions, but everybody was saying, thank you for us for the gift certificate. And all of a sudden, I started getting busier and busier. And I went out, and I rented a Cadillac. And I pulled in front with a Cadillac, and everybody says, geez, Russell's going under, he's driving a Cadillac. I rented the Cadillac, but we thought it was successful. And all of a sudden, our business started turning around, and then I first got my first loan and put an addition on the small hot dog stand, and that was the start of my success. Giving the food away, and for every $5 dinner I gave away, I picked up $2.50 because they had a carafe of wine. Yeah. And we did enough carafes of wine, and that started yeah. to be more. But funny, when you're in business, people draw people. And people are saying, I heard Russ was going under. Look how packed he is. Look how packed he is. And that started me rolling. It sounds like you had this plan, and it sounds simple enough, but you invite people to come. Yes. And they and they show up. And they show up. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I mean, if it was for nothing, wouldn't you show up? You know, it's just, this man's inviting me to come check out his restaurant. I might as well take him up on it. And then when I show up, he's got a nice Cadillac sitting out front. He must be doing well. <laughs> you know, that's one way to kind of turn things around a little bit. But you also had a plan in mind that when they're going to come in, they'll enjoy a nice meal and maybe buy some wine, and that will help out the business. And, and, and like you say, they buy some wine or have a cocktail or something. you got to get them in. If you don't get them in, you're not going to make no money. You know? and, oh, that's good advice. Yeah. You know, and I didn't have to put pizza back on the menu. No, and I didn't have to put spaghetti back on the menu. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. The, uh, the, some of the business people we've been talking to have been saying similar things. You need to have a plan. As funny as it sounds, invite people to show up. It, it, almost like if you build it, they will come. But sometimes oh, yeah. you got to take it a step further. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's so funny. I mean, I started when I first opened up here. I started a Tuesday, what was called Hi-Fi Tuesdays. Now, naturally, we got a hotel that's 100 rooms. And it was come and give us a Hi-Fi Tuesdays. Now, it's oh, only yeah. done in the lounge. Well, you should see this place on a Tuesday night. The, I have a menu. And it's only $5. And we switch our dinners every week. You can get a rack of lamb, a filet, a, a beautiful thick pork chop, or another special for $5. And I do it for the salesman. But now everybody in the city of Buffalo's found out about it. And you could come in and get a dinner. And people wait two, and it cost you $20 to have dinner. And the guy would come in at the salesman and says, Russ, you know what? You are a smart operator. It cost me $20. I give it away for my food cost. It cost me $20 to have dinner and everything. But you know what? I had an extra 25 I had five more bottles of beer in place of it. <laughs> they make up for it. Yes. Yeah. You know, my dad always says, son, if you get them in, if they come in with a $50 bill, 
and they could, uh, and you'll give it something away for five dollars. You'll still get the fifty. They'll find another way to spend it. Yeah, they'll do it. My dad used to do that when I had the old place on Delavan. During our anniversary party, we used to have a special three nights, a special chicken dinner. The chicken dinner ran thirty-five cents, and I tell you, it was lined up around the building. People would bring their children and everything, and then they'd spend. 50 cents to get a parfait. You know, yeah. here you got a parfait chicken dinner for 35, but the guy says, you know, I could take my kids, buy them dessert, that and everything, and they would pay you 50 cents for parfaits. Oh my gosh, we stole so much ice cream. It, it was just for those three nights. But then you're catching them on the other end where they're going to have a drink. Yeah. They'll have a cocktail. You know, well, you know this episode uh, is released Tuesday, right after the first of the year. So uh, yeah, like, maybe oh, we'll swing by and yeah, our listeners, hey, come check oh, out Tuesday. Oh, let me night. tell you, if you come in on Tuesday night, you'll see what a zoo. Yeah. But I think the $5 dinner is going up to 10 so... <laughs> I think people might pay that. That's okay. You think they'll, they think they'll pay it? I think they'll still be able to come in. Maybe we'll be able to get a bar spot. Oh, God. You know what's nice about it? I mean, it was done for the people in the hotel, but now we got all these little senior citizens coming in, and they're eating for $10. It makes me feel good. They say, they come up, thank you, Russ. Thank you. We would never have the opportunity to come in a place like this if you didn't make it possible for us. Mm-hmm. So it makes me feel good inside. You probably hear that a lot too. Like it, you, you, it's not just the food in the restaurant and the five dollars or the ten dollars or the thirty-five cents or the, you know, the free dinner for twos that you give out. No. More recently, it's been. It's sad, you know. It is, you know. And I mean, uh, getting back to my life, I say the most important things I'm doing right now in my life is giving back. I love giving back. Every penny that I make in this business is going back to charity in the city of Buffalo. I started with ECMC. I donated 400 television sets, lifted the charge. Nobody has to pay for televisions, and I can go on and on. And I mean, I've been voted the great philanthropist and that, and I don't do it for that, but it makes me feel good. I'm a believer. I'm 83 years old. Who knows when the man is going to snap that finger? I don't intend to go to heaven with one penny in my pocket because I heard cocktails are for nothing up there, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, maybe I'll find somebody to buy me a drink. But I will keep giving back to the community as long as I'm alive and I'm doing it for every... I never say no. Anybody needs something that I can help, a community like I did the hospital. I had a girl coming about a month ago. Her mother has cancer and she's in Roswell. Told me it cost eight fifty, and she couldn't afford to turn the TV on at Roswell. Yeah. I says I can't believe this. Someone's got the worst disease in the world. Next morning, I went to Roswell and met Janice. That's a big deal at Roswell. I says I want to buy TVs and I want to buy the contract for people not turning on for the next thirty years. And I did that in less than a week, and no one has to turn on TV on. My foundation is going to have a lot of money in it when I pass away. It's all going to go to charities, all different things like that. And I mean, I tingle inside when I get back. People go, why are you giving all your money away? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. Did you hear of a coffin that had pockets? No. <laughs> There's no coffin with pockets. Give back to the people that have made you successful. And I go back from when the Buffalo Bills were playing. I picked up the football tickets for everybody to watch the blackouts. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, that was the best night of my It was out of clear sky, you know. Yeah. And then and then I had parties in Florida when the Bills. I still do that. I'm eight years old. I brought everybody back to Florida. We drank like a son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and one 
just watch the Bills win one of the very few games will be Miami. Oh, that sounds like a real good time. You know, we're looking ahead, Russ, to the future, and it sounds like you have some plans for charity. Is there is there anything right now that's currently exciting you, maybe next six months, one year out? Uh, yeah, I've got about four things on the fire. You know, I'm helping uh, Brothers of Mercy Nursing Home. I'm going to remodel the front of their place, and not that I want to sign cocky but I went to them and I asked them fine I would model fun of your place if you name one of the rooms after me mm-hmm. and the and they'd go to the color Russell J Salvatore orthop- for, for the uh, Brothers of Mercy Orthopedic Center and then I'm also doing a school in Chittawaga the Heritage Center that's for handicapped people I'm going to remodel the front of their school for the handicap and they're going to name the school after me my thing for the next this year is that, and again like I said I don't want to sound like a cocky or anything like that I would love to get my name on as many buildings and just say fine like the Lancaster has been so good to me they needed a new football stadium I donated a little bit of money for them to get a 50 million dollar grant and by me doing that they're going to call it Russell Salvatore football field you have the Boys and Girls Club in Lancaster is going to be opening up within the next two weeks. They burn down. They need a little bit of money to get a, a big loan. And it was called Ross Salvatore's Boys and Girls, Lancaster Pew Boys. I love seeing that. Yeah. So you guys might be driving around. If I live to be 90, you're going to be driving around and seeing, holy Christ, this street. They named the street after us. <laughs> they named this building after us. Well, and I, I just love the idea. And well after you're gone, people are going to be seeing this. And maybe they'll ask, well, why is everything named? And they'll do the research and find out what you did and why you did it. And maybe that's something down the road that other people will want to do. It may inspire others to do the same thing. Geez, I hope so. I mean, there's so many people that are way much more richer than I am. And uh, again, I mean, you can't take it with you. I work hard, and I mean, I'm a fortunate because our business is good, and I think it became good by giving. You re- well, if you give, you receive. My dad always said that it's not hard to give. You know, what are you going to do with it? You can't spend it all. No, you can't. You can only eat one loaf of bread a week, right? <laughs> well, and so many people are, are thankful. It's funny, you know, my, my, my own dad, my brother, is the one moved away. He, he still hears the stories about everything from the Bills tickets to the TVs at uh, ECMC, and, and they're, they're thankful. It brings people through the door. I know they want to come check out. They come in. They're very, very appreciative that you hand out. Every place I go, people, uh, it doesn't happen ten times a day, people don't come up to me and hug me and say, geez, Russ, thanks for what you yeah. do for the community. Makes you feel like a million dollars. Like a million dollars, I swear to God. I bet. You know, with the people that listen to this, they might be uh, just starting out their own business. Maybe they're entrepreneurs. We've uh, talked to people who are starting a brewery. What would you say to somebody who's just starting out? And it could be in any business. Maybe it's the restaurant business, hospitality business. Uh, any advice you'd give to them? Well, I would say... Number one, I mean, I have some people come in and have asked me uh, what they would do. If they wanted to go back to the hospital, hospital business, go in the restaurant business, and the guy will approach me, and all of a sudden he'll have a, a, an earring in his nose or one or in his eyes, you know, his hair down his hip, you know, and look like he hasn't taken a bath in a month. And I'll tell the guy, where do you expect to go in life? I mean, our society out there, someone has to do something. And I have spoken up, and it's a little bit. I've got a couple of remarks on that. 
Dress code today means so important for an individual to present himself. I mean, uh, I've straightened out so many people, so many young boys that have come in for a busboy's job, and when they come in, they don't, they've got long hair, so and they're not clean looking. I tell them, fine, the guy, you know what, you're a good looking boy. Get the earrings out of your ears, out of your nose, go take a bath, here's $20, buy a pair of black pants, and I will give you a job. And at 17 years old, they are making today in my restaurant close to $20 an hour as a busboy. As a busboy, wow. Just by cleaning up. It's very hard for some reason. You see, in our days, if I ever told my father I wasn't going to do it, he had a rubber hose. He beat me with a rubber hose. He'd be in life. He'd be in jail for a life for child abuse. The parents can't seem to get tell their kids what to do for some reason. And our generation, we had no choice. We had a broomstick got hit in the head, you know. But I mean, parents will call me and they'll say, "Geez, Mr. Salvatore, how'd you get my son to do that?" And I just told them in a nice way. You gotta present yourself properly. You gotta get the iron out of your face if you're a man out there or a, a young boy working. Listen to me. You're not gonna make first impressions very important. And it's easy to dress. Today clothes are cheaper than I was buying them back in 1950. You buy a suit today, they give you three for nothing. I, I mean, I can't believe a guy can't look beautiful. It is so important for your attire and to look if you're gonna go into business. Look good, great. I'm never without a shirt and a tie, and I'm never without a suit at night. It's because I started doing it that way. Today, you don't have to be that great, but your attire, if you're going to go into business, your attire. I mean, I did, I was doing a TV show that I started about a month ago, and I did it for about five, six weeks, and then I stopped because it didn't get me as far as I wanted it. And I called it Russ's Two Cents. And what it was, as I was on AM Buffalo, I did a five-minute sh- uh, thing during Linda Pellegrino on Tuesdays. And it was Russell's two cents. I would bring another proprietor on, and I would discuss about attire with people going out to eat today. One of those things where I'd have Paul Jenkins on, I'd say, Paul, I got a letter here from so-and-so. It says, Russ, I was out at this certain restaurant one night, dressed to the gills, celebrating our 50th anniversary. I was dressed to kill, and all of a sudden I had to look at a table next to me. The people just came from the beach. They had flip-flops on, they had shorts on, and that. what can we do about a tire in a fine-looking restaurant? And then I would say, fun, we don't mean to embarrass anybody, we don't mean to insult anybody, but why don't you dress for the occasion? Mm-hmm. This is Russ's two cents. That was one of them. I did one. It sounds like an interesting yeah. uh, oh, it, it was so great. Yeah. I liked it, but I didn't get the mileage that I thought I did. Okay. I did one on one thing that goes right through me. And years ago, our parents, everybody wore a hat. When you walk into a building today, why can't you take your baseball hat off? I have a problem in my restaurant with people coming in and want to eat. I don't allow you in my restaurant with a baseball hat on. You will not sit. So I'm talking with uh, uh, Tom Payne from Payne. Tom, you having that same problem? He says, Ross, what are we going to do? Nobody wants to take their baseball hat on. I says, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. If you were to invite me to your house for dinner, and I came in with my baseball hat on, 
what would you think of me? I would remember Alrighty. how informal our restaurants my cooking for you. Our restaurants yeah. are our home. Yeah. Why can you think you can come into my house with your baseball hat on? Mm-hmm. You know, I lost a, a guy at the hotel. He came on the high five. He comes to the bar with a baseball hat on. I said, sir, I'm sorry. We're trying to keep this a little bit nicer. I don't like flip-flops, no shorts, jeans, and baseball hats have to come out. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I'm a guest at a hotel. I, now I get nasty. I said, well, then you stupid soldier. <laughs> if your guest was it too hard to leave it in the room. Just lay it well, on the bed and he, he'll come downstairs. That's right. He got mad at me and he checked out. He says, I'll never be back at your property again. What is this that you have to eat in a place of business and property with a baseball head on mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. It's the most rudest thing in the world. And everybody I ask, if I came to your house for dinner, you would throw me out. It's our house. Nobody, don't feel offended out there. Hate me anybody with your baseball hats on. No. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I got to tell you a little joke. I'm sure. With, I'm with Tom Payne. Now, Tom Payne, and I got my phone here. I go, Tom, hang on, I got a little, I got a phone call. And I'm going, hello, uh, uh, sir, I'm sorry I come across so strong with the baseball hats and everything else like that. Uh, what is that? Tom, the fellow on the other end of the line is asking me, you're really strong with these baseball hats on. What would you do if anybody came in with no clothes on? <laughs> Tom says, well, what would you do? I says, well, Tom, I might have to ask him to put his baseball hat on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one time it's okay. Then you can wear it. But I mean... You are wondering, I am not wearing my baseball hat today. No, no, not please, hat keep either. your baseball hat on. Keep it at home. <laughs> oh. Well, Russ, this has been great. Before we wrap it up, if there's anything else that came to mind... Uh, stuff from the past, um, stuff looking ahead. Anything you want to say? And if not, we can uh, we can wrap this thing no, up. No, I, I I think I I talked pretty good. And I oh have, yeah. Uh, you're probably going to say this guy never shuts up, does he? <laughs> well, you know, when we were uh, thinking of, of interesting people, people that are going to download, listen, um, you came to mind, and I'm just thankful for you to uh, to agree to do the interview. So thanks again. Um, well, thank you very much. I love being with you guys, and anybody that's listening out there, if you need anything. I'm here. I'll be glad to listen to your stories for help. Anything in the community, come and see me, and we'll put it in front of the board. If I could help you, I'm 100% behind you. Absolutely. Great. Well, well, guys, this has been another uh, wonderful episode of uh, Guys Telling Stories. I want to thank uh, Russell J. Salvatore, our guest. Uh, be sure to check him out here every night. I mean, Russell's Steaks, Chops, and more. Um, stay at the Grand Hotel. Um, come check out the uh, Patriots and Heroes Park. There's a lot to see. All right, guys. Well, until next time.